Hello and welcome to episode Bobby Ryan of the Cosper Pointcast. As always, I'm your host, Trevor Shackles. Joining me today is another official friend of the show. It's locker room reporter for TSN and Silver 7 Sens writer, Callum Fraser. Callum, how's it going? Are, uh, are Luke and uh, Czech going to be okay with you stealing their thing? I don't know, man. It's uh, I'm not going to lie. I definitely stole it from them. You know what? We we were going to do that on the on the Battle of Ontario, the show that we have. And it was just like, ah, you know what? Don't want to step on anyone's toes. But look, it, go for it. I mean, if, if you're <laughs> confident that they're not, they're not going to sue you, then go for it. Hey, man, I, I've, I've stolen a few things from other podcasts. So uh, <laughs> I think, I don't know, as long as, uh, as long as nobody comes and murders me, it should be fine. Fair enough. Um, okay, so uh, I know you're just at Sens practice, so I appreciate you coming on the show today and taking, taking some time out of your busy day. And uh, there's lots to talk about, so let's get right into it. So as we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon, the Sens sit at 14-7-1, which is good for second in the Atlantic Division, and they're tied for fourth in the entire league somehow. Uh, these four straight wins have sort of changed the outlook for this team, and they've certainly been better of late, not uh, allowing as many goals. Do you think they can sort of keep this up and actually make the playoffs? Uh, make the playoffs? That's a while away, but uh, a ways away. But uh, I like the one thing that Chris Stevenson said on TSN told her today that they're frustrating teams. And that's, I think, exactly what Guy Boucher wanted them to do from the very beginning. And now we're seeing they're playing consistent Guy Boucher hockey. We saw that. Oh, I mean, like not at all in the, in the first game of the season against Toronto. We saw that a bit against Montreal, and then a couple games. There was that Buffalo game. There was uh, the Philly game, and they, but now they've played, I think, like eight or nine games consistently uh, in a row where they've actually. Uh, I mean, there was a hiccup against uh, Florida and Nashville, but they've been playing Guy Boucher hockey for a few weeks now, and it's certainly starting to uh, to come together. I mean, they're getting great goaltending, but the one thing that the couple things that I I've seen that have really solidified my um, my faith in this new system, this new coaching system, is uh, being patient in their own end. Those high number of block shots is actually working out incredibly well because the scoring chances are 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 uh, are they're lessening. That uh, Craig Anderson isn't having to fight off so many high uh, high danger scoring chances because um, they're they're not allowing many. And uh, their sound defensive play, all from I mean, CC and Fanuf, we saw at the start of the year were struggling largely but the past eight or nine games like I said um, Borrow and Weidman, CC and Fanuf, Carlson and Mathot they've been solid all around so uh, the, the other thing is too they're winning one goal games which could you know kind of be a sign of things to come that they're just scraping by um, but I see it as you know what exactly what Boucher said they're mentally tough and when they have these tight games against teams that are uh, either uh, much far superior on paper, or the ones that they're just trying to scrape by in the standings, uh, they're able to 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 come back from a one goal deficit like we've seen all season long. What is it? 15, 15 out of twenty one games. I that believe so. Yeah, fifteen. Yeah. Uh, or no, you know what? I think it might be sixteen. Is it? Is it? Um, Either way, yeah. um, as as everyone knows, they've been down uh, one or two goals at the, basically at the start of every single game. So. Yeah. That thing that I mean, Boucher went to school for, where is the psychology is a psychology degree. I'm, I'm not, don't quote me on that, but uh, I just, it's a breath of fresh air. Him bringing in this new system, this new idea. The players know exactly what they're doing, and it's, it's definitely coming around. And the, the team just looks like they, they have a goal in sight, and they've never been more focused. Oh, for sure. I, I think just hearing you talk for, for those few minutes there, it's 
pro- probably the most positive I've ever heard you talk about the centers, <laughs> which is yeah, no, awesome yeah, here. You're just right. because I, I'm pretty positive with uh, with Boucher as well, and I think it it definitely whenever you have a new coach, it's going to take some time to get used to to um, you know what he wants you to do in the offensive and defensive zone. And typically by around the 30 game mark, you should know what your team is like, you know, what, um, like how you can define them and if they're probably going to be a playoff team or not. So we have, um, what, eight games left to, to really see what this team can do. And you're right. They have been playing a lot better. Um, you take out the first few games where they allowed a bunch of goals. They've pretty much been one of the best teams in the league. Um, Sort of like the next point I was going to talk about was the the defense, so we can sort of talk about these two things here. Um, they're actually seventh in goals against. I thought they'd be a bit better than that, but certainly if you take out the first five games, I think they'd be even higher, probably like first or second. Um, and you also mentioned the fact that Anderson's he's been amazing, and they've also been allowing shots from the outside, and that's that's actually true on a on Corsica Hockey, the uh, the great stat site. They I didn't know this stat actually exists that you could actually search this up, but they've been allowing shots. How do I wear this? So in their in their zone, the shot attempts that they've been giving up have been the farthest away from the net on uh, on average thirty seven point four one feet. So wow, I, mean, I didn't even look that up. Look at me. Yeah, yeah, it's um. <laughs> No, that's yeah, that's 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 outstanding, and I I I think I mean we're getting to, to the defense right now, so I'm guessing we're going to talk about Boro and in his, um, I mean for yeah, him sure. outstanding <laughs> outstanding play of late. Like, let's be honest, he's been actually um, not only an NHL defenseman, <clears throat> but he's been able to keep up with the play. And I mean, there's so many things that I think Boucher integrated in 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 uh, in Boro's style this season. He's not going after players and getting himself out of position. He's being able to follow the play. Um, with with ease now. I mean, he does step in and um, and and to make that big hit, but there's always F two or F three following in behind him and uh, and covering for uh, for for an odd man rush, and it, it takes away that odd man rush. The other thing too, and um, you know, sitting up in the press box, you get to see it's a completely different angle, and it, it's three or four times a game now. It seems that I, I look over and talk to someone. I'm just like, oh my god, did you see that offensive play by? By uh, Borvieski coming into the zone and a, a zone entry or, or keeping on the blue line, like I, I think it's just last season he got the puck and he was just he was struggling for confidence uh, a lot in a lot of different areas, but definitely when he got the puck and he just threw it away. Sometimes he would just uh, rim it around the boards in in both ends, really. But now I think he has that confidence and that that know how to really um, actually. Not only just keep the puck in and, and make a pass, but actually try and make something happen. Because a couple things, maybe it's just because he has that extra confidence because Boucher's maybe instilled that in him, but also because the system, everyone, every person on the team, every player on the team is backing up every other player on the team, no matter what. Yeah, I, I'd love to see what Borvieski's zone entries and no, zone exits uh, numbers look like because even the one game I've seen live of them this year, like in person, obviously uh, was when they came here in, in Vancouver. And I don't know if you follow Ryan classic on Twitter. Uh, he was at the game with me as well. And we were both just mentioning how, you know, like man, Boro actually, he wasn't terrible. Like you hardly noticed him. And you know, he made, he made a few decent passes and like, he doesn't have that high of a bar to clear, but he's cleared it. And trust me, I'm, I've been his biggest critic his whole career. And he's certainly been, He's been like a third pairing defenseman and like he hasn't been a train wreck and he I mean 
is it is it too much to say he's actually been decent? I don't know. No, I, um, I, I think he's actually been good. I think yeah, for the yeah, expectations that you as have, weird I mean, as it say as yeah. weird as it is to say that. Yeah, he's. I mean, and look, this this contract, this uh, Sens fans have been complaining for the past three years or whatever he got signed about. Uh, not because it's worth 1.1 million, but because of the longevity of his contract. And now you look at it, and you're just like, okay, he can be a, a decent third-pairing defenseman, someone who's actually driving play, uh, possession and and playing solid defensively. And he and I, you know what? The other thing too is I haven't seen him uh, penalty kill that much this year. He's playing a lot of five v five minutes. Um, but back to my point, if 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 he can play like he's been playing, and I. I, I I can't recall, you know, a horrible game from him this year. Uh, I think he's been. I think the, the first one against the Leafs for sure. Yeah, but quite consistent over the past. What have we played? Twenty-two games. Uh, I yeah, think you look yeah. at that contract right now, and you think one point one million for a solid third-pairing defenseman, Chris Wyman's. Wait, Chris Wyman's not even making a million, is he? He's like nine hundred k. Yeah, uh, that's that's a solid th- solid third pairing right now, and, and I don't think I haven't heard anyone anyone at all this season complain about oh, you know what Boros got another year in his contract so it's uh, it's refreshing to see that that every single defenseman on this team has really bought in to uh, what Boucher is preaching and I, I don't think it was it was um, there was going to be any problem with with Borbieski buying in but it has complemented his style and his style of play and and how aggressive he likes to be he's, he's really calmed uh, Borbieski down and it's just from every single angle of his play, from every single aspect, it has improved since last year. I mean, what? Also, when's the last time we saw him fight? Do you remember? I, I don't know. That that's good, man. I mean, I just, I just see no value in fighting anyway. So, I mean, that's good. Yeah, we don't need to get into that. We already. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, I think there's no question that if Dave Cameron was the coach this year, Borvieski would be the same player. I think this is all on Boucher. I mean, obviously, you have to give credit to Borvieski. Like, he's, oh, he's the actual player, but I think Boucher has made the big impact on him. Um, obviously, we're not behind... Well, I'm not behind the scenes. I guess you, you're you're behind the scenes now, so you, you know a lot more than me, but um, I'm sure Boucher has, you know, drilled it into his head certain things. Well, where um, you want to give credit for, for Boucher, you know... Um, for Borvieski's impressive play, you want to give credit to Boucher, but you also need to, if we're going to do that, then I think you also need to make it uh, make it apparent that Borvieski's play last season was kind of um, taken back because of Dave Cameron's lack of direction. Oh, of uh, course, and that's what I wanted to get to. Ex- yeah, exactly. I mean, Boro's a guy that is going to take orders like no one else on the team, right? If he, if you tell him to go, you know, fight a train or a bear or run into a brick wall, <laughs> he's going to do it. Um, so I mean, I yeah, last season I, I think it was a combination of different things, but since we've seen his play improve under uh, under Guy Boucher, I think there's a lot to say about last season. Yeah, for sure. I um, I there was definitely a few tweets yesterday about Cameron, um, and yeah. it, it just it just sort of shows that he really didn't know what he was doing last year, right? And I think you had a couple of tweets about that as well. And uh, like, hey, don't try and pull me into this. Why not? <laughs> no, 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 of course. Yeah. No, I, I, I was, I mean, at the start of last season, I, I think, and I, I think it was like me, and I don't want to say that I was uh, ahead of the curve at any possible, uh, any, anything, but um, I think it was like me, Travis Yost, and like maybe Defense Minister, or so, a couple of the guys that were like, look, I, we get it. Like, they made the playoffs last season. They did well. They lost to Montreal, but it was still fun, and Cameron, everyone was super high on Cameron, but he 
put Hoffman on the fourth line two years in a row in, in yeah. a playoff push. He um, he was doing things to Carlson's game that were kind of unorthodox. He was playing Mark Borietsky on on four of the first line. He was doing crazy things, and and yes, the team had a bit of success. But the and this is out of Travis Yost's mouth. Uh, the the jury was out on Cameron completely. We had no idea what he was going to be last season, and as it progressed, and as his line combinations got crazier and crazier, and as they couldn't um, they couldn't keep a lead, they couldn't uh, protect a lead in the in the the right way. They they um, <laughs> they played high event hockey with a lot of with not a lot of defense, and I mean it's just, it just goes to show you you really need to. Um, dive into things and 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 wait because I I mean I I'm already sold on Boucher I've seen enough but last season it was I mean it's just black it's completely black and white from last season to this season it's just there's so much more structure there's so much more strategy I mean I think Boucher's it helps that Boucher's press conferences are about 15 minute long <laughs> minutes longer than uh, than Boucher's on average but I mean I'm liking everything I I've been seeing yeah I I think by the end of the year we'll be able to tell what sort of impact an NHL coach can have because you're sort of going from one spectrum where Cameron really isn't a very good NHL coach to the other end where I think Boucher is probably above average I think it's it's a bit too early to say you know he's like you know top five or something but he definitely seems like a massive improvement so you know if if the centers end up with points in the high 90s or something like that I mean it's pretty much the same roster as last season so I think a lot of that will be able to be attributed to Boucher. Yeah, I'd I'd definitely be able to put him in. Like I I I don't I don't care I don't care how early it is. I'm putting him in, in my top yeah? five already. And you know what? We know when they lost, well, lost. I mean, I I completely agree that um I I believe Pierre Dorian that that Boucher was actually his number one choice. Oh yeah, I, I do too first now. All, I do first too. First of all, let's be honest. Boucher coming back in, uh, yeah, it would have saved him a lot of money, but. Him having like that 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 rumored seven hour um, right. uh, meeting with them and the presentation, that him being a detailed guy and and all this this structure that he was preaching, all this strategy that he was preaching, he probably had a book on like every single player, every single prospect they had. Um, I think Ibushay and I went from when they when they lost Boudreaux to Minnesota. I immediately went from, um, oh my God, this is a camp. Like, of course, they had, the, of course, the centers would lose the best coach in the market. To, uh, you know what? Actually, they did get the best coach on the market, and it's perfect because, whereas maybe Boudreau can get more out of his players for a high quality team that has three or four guys that at seven million dollars that are you know, top six forwards and top two defensemen anywhere in the league. They have great goaltending and they play in a great market. I think Boucher is the perfect coach for this team. Because they have so many borderline guys, because their 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 last three forward lines are likely like depth guys around the other league. If you take take their top three forwards out, uh, if we're gonna say Turris, Hoffman, and Stone, then you know what? Like, let's be honest: Brian, uh, Ryan, Brassard, Dzingle, Smith, Pajot—they're all you know maybe third, second, or third line guys, maybe. Uh, in the rest of the league, so uh, this is perfect. This is Boucher. This is a team that is definitely going to, um, if they don't buy in, then they're not a playoff team. But they're going to make the playoffs, and I'm I'm saying that right now. I think they're. Gonna, I don't know what I said for my my silver seven prediction, <laughs> um, but I'm saying right now, if they keep playing into the system, the system is going to get them into the playoffs. I don't. It, I, you know, this is a decent roster that Pierre Dorian was able to put together with um, uh, 
I mean, uh, trusting Chris Weidman as a as a, a third pairing defenseman, uh, being bringing Broussard in. This is a decent roster. It's not a playoff roster, but because of the system, they will make the playoffs if they keep buying into it. I think that's fair. Um, just I remember when when Boucher was immediately hired. I think I probably had the same reaction to you, and it was sort of just disappointing that um, Boudreaux wasn't hired. But then after hearing all that the details, first was unreal. Oh, oh exactly. Yeah, like after after hearing all the details about the interview and hearing Boucher speak himself, I, I was I definitely changed my mind. Um, just because before that, like we didn't know too much about him. Um, I mean, like it's not like I followed the Tampa Bay Lightning super closely when uh, when he was the coach there a few years ago, so. I think if Boudreaux was the coach, I would be happy as well. But at the same time, you're right. It, it does it does seem like Boucher is a really good fit for this market. So I'm not complaining at all at this point. I think I think he's the right coach for the next few years. And then I think that's probably the first time we can say that in a long time for a Senators coach. And the funny thing is, <clears throat> with him, uh, you know, saying that obviously he definitely is the right coach for the next three years, but. I mean, I know it's super early, and I, I hope that he does stay. But if this if this continues and he's able to solidify himself as one of the smarter coaches in the NHL, it's kind of like an Eric Eric Carlson situation. His contract's gonna be up at the exact same time, right? Um, and he has two years or three years left. I guess. Carlson? I think he has. Well, it's two and a half years left yeah. for both, right? Okay, I, he signed say, a three-year deal. Yeah, because the big thing with Boudreaux was that they weren't going to give him four years, right? Right. So, like, okay. I'm sure, they gave Boudreaux, uh, sorry, uh, Boucher three years, and I mean, like at the end of this, pessimistic Sens fan, right? The, the, your view there, but it's going to be, I mean, hopefully he stays, right? It's going to be one of those guys that is definitely going to be sought after by a lot of different teams, just like Carlson. So it's going to be interesting and also kind of scary to to look down the road there. Yeah, well, that's a that's a bit depressing. So, <laughs> let's. Uh, I wanted to touch on. So we already talked about the defense. I wanted to touch on the offense a bit too. So obviously the the defense has been phenomenal and the goaltending as well. The last you know fifteen games or so. Um, at the same time, the offense has been pretty bad. It's been it's been a lot better recently, um, especially in that four goal game against Montreal. They capitalized on their chances. Um, what do you what do you see with the offense moving forward? Like, do you think they're going to be a low scoring team or like an average scoring team and at the same time not allow many goals or do you think both of them will go up no i i think i think it it can only get better from here i think they they really need to give into their creativity i think mark stone is one of the guys that um is finally breaking out um you're stealing uh, my points Callum. you're jumping ahead no we'll, <laughs> we'll get to mark stone in a second but, but but overall he's one of the guys that i want to see everyone else play like in the offensive zone because um it's not He's not afraid. Like he plays the system in the defensive end. He plays it in the neutral zone, zone entries, zone exits, whatever. But when he gets into the offensive end, he's helping out the defense if they're going to jump in. He's helping out the forwards in the corners. But when he has a chance to make a play, he's not just throwing the puck at the net. He's making behind the back passes. He's he's finding guys in the slot. He's he's deking one guy and trying to shoot. Like that's exactly what you need all the forwards to be doing in the offensive zone. And I think uh, they're a bit. They're a bit taken aback by the system because it's so, it's so my way or the highway, and I, I think as some of them uh, might actually just be a bit a bit scared for uh, to to let that creativity flow in the offensive zone. So I think uh, I mean 
I don't know. I, I, the goals, the goals against are going to go up a bit. I mean, goaltending like this can't be sustained. Uh, uh, the the only thing I, the one thing I do have, uh, well, the two things I do have a lot of comfort in is that Anderson is actually having a great year. He's not going to keep the numbers up he's, uh, that he's been having as of late. Everyone, I don't think there's a, a, a guy in the league that that thinks that. I think it's like a 960 save percentage the past whatever uh, ten games that he's had, but. Um, I do think they're going to get great goaltending. It's the goals against are going to go up a tad, but because you have that patient, structured, uh, defensive, and we're even seeing that it's really cool seeing from above. It's they're, they're definitely playing that one-three-one neutral zone that is actually getting teams to you know uh, be a bit hesitant going to the neutral zone. Um, so the goals against will go up a, a slightly, but I, I have no no problem whatsoever um, with that because I'm I'm totally totally. Uh, 100% in on on what Boucher's done with the defense, but I I think what we've seen. So they had two against New York in regulation. They had three against um, uh, Saturday. What was Carolina? Saturday? Yeah, Carolina. Yeah. They had four against Montreal. It's it's trending in the right direction, I think, because these aren't empty net goals. These aren't um, these aren't flukes. These are these are are good. They they need a, yep. a couple more bounces to go their way, but I think everything's trending in the right direction. Yeah, and I think just the most obvious thing to look at is the fact that they're they have the third lowest five on five shooting percentage, um, and you know you look at guys like Derek Broussard, Bobby Ryan, um, even like Kyle Turris has the goals, but his, his assists I think he has three assists. Uh, Jean Gabriel Pajot, guys like that, their scoring numbers are gonna go up. It's not gonna. They have the talent up front to score. I don't know about the depth, but at least they're top six. Like they have the guys to score, so. I agree. I'm not. I'm not too worried. I think overall with Boucher's system, the the numbers might come down a bit, or like not come down, just at least comparatively to last year, the uh, the offense. But at the same time, I'm. I agree with you. I'm. I'm totally okay with that if it means the defense is getting substantially better. The one thing that I like about <clears throat> that I'm not really concerned about that they're, why they're uh, winning all these one goal games is because their game breakers are coming through. Kyle Turris had those two winners against Carolina. Uh, they have guys that are doing well in the shootout. Anderson standing tall in the shootout. Their overtime record's great. It's the guys that are the top players that are stepping up in those moments uh, to win the game for them. Yeah, so, seven I mean, seconds left in the game, Mark Stone. Yeah, exactly. It's, 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 not, it's, not, it's not like they're getting lucky at the end. It, they do have game breakers, and that's why they're able to beat teams like Carolina, like Buffalo, like Florida in these tight games. It's because they have guys like Kyle Turris, they have guys like Mark Stone, they have guys like Bobby Ryan and Eric Carlson that do step up at the right moment when they actually need to. So I, I, they're winning a lot of one-goal games, and I'm sure that you know they won't keep that up for uh, for the end of the season, but I, I am confident that it's not as big of a problem as uh, others might think. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what their numbers look like at the end of the year because we haven't really seen... Um, a low scoring on both ends goals for and against a low scoring Senators team in a long time just because sort of used to like the Paul McLean high event hockey yeah and, lemon uh, gun hockey yeah it yeah, was exactly. fun but yeah I, I wonder I wonder what Sens fans think though because if like if if the Senators make the playoffs in 7th or 6th this season I wonder if Sens and with, with a better record than they have when they've made it in eighth and in 7th that year that they played Montreal mm-hmm. I wonder what if you compared the seasons to um, like letting a lot of goals in, but scoring a lot more uh, to uh, in those past seasons to this one, where the, hopefully they'll finish with a, a better goal differential and some more solid hockey, but 
lower event hockey. I wonder if fans enjoy that more um, than living on the edge and just getting right in there, right? It's, 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 I, I think if we did a poll, that would be, it would come down to, to pretty close. Yeah, I don't know, because I, I definitely have heard a lot of people say stuff about Sens games being a lot more boring. And, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I agree they have been less entertaining. But at the same time, I'll take that all day, every day, if it means they're going to win more, right? Yeah, now you know how New Jersey Devils fans feel. Oh, exactly. They're when just, they were winning, I guess. <laughs> it was, and, like, the wild and, in, in, you know, like, the mid-late 2000s is just brutal. Um, okay, so because Ottawa was out to a strong start, they don't have to worry as much about, quote-unquote, death December too much. Um, but it's going to be hard. I and... worry about it, man. <laughs> What's that? Have you, you've obviously looked at the schedule, right? Oh, yeah. I'm going to list the teams. They got okay. the Panthers, Penguins, the Sharks twice, the Kings, the Ducks twice, the Blackhawks, and the Rangers. Plus, they open up January with back-to-back games against the Caps. So you think they can still come out of this with a decent record? Yeah. I, I don't know. I think 500 hockey would be um... – would be uh, that'd be a victory for them, really. Yeah, that's I mean, what I wrote down exactly. That <laughs> I I truly believe that if they come out of this, what let's see, like seven, seven, seven and two or something like that. I don't know how many games there there are, but psst, seven, psst, seven and hey, two. That's not five hundred. Oh my god! No, <laughs> that in this day and age, that is five hundred. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if they come out with a, a seven and seven, two, six, six and two, whatever record, um, I I think that I mean, if there's seven games above five hundred at the end of December. I think they're happy with that. I mean, oh, yeah. uh, the other, but the other thing too is you got to think like they've beaten Montreal, they've beaten New York, they've beaten uh, who's the other top team that they they beat Kings. this? Yeah, the Kings as well. And during those games, during those four games, because remember they beat Montreal in a sh- uh, yeah. shootout, I believe. Yep. Um, they played solid hockey. That Montreal game that they they won in a shootout was actually one of their better games. Uh, during the start of the season, so they come to play against big teams. They play shutdown hockey. Um, what they did? They shut up? No, there was one goal against the Kings. Yeah, hey, uh, and they they limited the Bruins to twenty shots too. Exactly, exactly. So that's I I think they they they're not they're not afraid to play the big teams. And the what the I don't think they've ever really been afraid to play the big teams. Sometimes they get they get blown out, but in the past, one thing that I've I've noticed from this year is really 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 consistent and. Uh, should be one of the things that, that reassuring the Senators that the Senators fans that uh, that this team actually is for real or could be for real um, is that they're taking the games that should be wins um, and I got I got a bit of flack for calling them easy games a couple of days ago but I stand by I completely stand behind that Carolina should be an easy game uh, Buffalo should be an easy game Toronto should be an easy game these are easy games that's what I'm, I'm stating them as um, but they're winning those games and they're winning them consistently the past few seasons we've seen them going to Carolina when they have a three-game winning streak and we're like oh fine it's all good now nah, what do you mean it's not going to Carolina trip. is just they never yeah, exactly. win there. And then they completely <laughs> blow it, right? So yeah. th- this season, I think they're a lot better mentally prepared. Um, and they're they're getting these wins. They're able to string. This is what their third um, at least three-game win streak of the season, I believe. I know they're on four. But, is it? Um, I, think they've, I think they've done it three times this season. Uh, I think – I thought they've only done it twice. I remember I, another three-gamer. I don't know. <laughs> I trust you, though. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I definitely think they have four – sort of not necessarily like super easy but easier games against the red wings islanders the devils and the flyers um yeah. i wouldn't call i wouldn't call the red wings 
an easy game. No, I know. That's why I said not super easy, yeah, but like yeah, comparatively yeah. at least. And like I don't think they're that great of a team. And like same with Philly. They're not like a terrible team or anything. They're they're probably similar to where the centers are, but you know, when you compare that to games against the Sharks or the Blackhawks or whatever, it's easier. So if they can take advantage of those games and then, you know, they can afford a few scheduled losses against against the Sharks and the Penguins and stuff like that because I'm really not expecting to win those games. But if they do come out of December and it's not a disaster, then I think we're looking at the centers being in a pretty good spot. Like you said, if they are seven in games over 500, even five yeah. games over 500, that's that's a pretty good spot. The nice thing, too, is I, I absolutely love the... And you know what? Like I'm going to be honest with you. Like my, my fandom has decreased a bit because, whatever, doing more work with the team or, or what have you um but i'm still i, I love when they i love when they win because business is good and I, I i enjoy seeing the team prosper um and it's the really cool thing with this season is i've never really been scoreboard watching until you know february at the earliest march yeah. and, and april definitely but i'm scoreboard watching already like the, the the bruins keep losing in regulation the red wings keep losing in regulation the panthers are, are they just fired their coach they're losing in regulation like there's not a lot of three-point games within the division the tampa bay is losing in regulation it's it's all good like these teams are struggling at the perfect moment for the centers because they need um not need to but they are building this gap and at, at the perfect time like this couldn't i said at the start of the season this they're gonna have a really easy schedule to get out of the gate and that's the that's that's great that's amazing news to the ears of guy boucher because he's gonna take six to eight weeks to get this team ready and to to know his players and for them to know the new system to them to just know the coach's face and the coach's voice and and it's just it's all coming together and this is the this is the biggest biggest without a doubt the biggest test of the season this next 33 34 days so i i'm super intrigued to see how it plays out and like i said 500 hockey would be uh, I, I think they'd be more than happy with 500 hockey in the next the next month. Oh yeah! Um, before the season, I talked about getting out to a quick start is so imperative, and they have, and they have they have a bit of a cushion now. They got some leeway where they don't they're not forced to do really well in December, and because that would have been brutal. And you know, if they were if they were like a game or two under 500 or something, and then like this month is pretty much going to make or break I think well maybe not break because I think even if it's a disaster they'll probably be about 500 but we'll sort of see by the end of the month if this team is good enough to be a playoff team and it's funny you're mentioning how some teams are losing uh, in the division right now and that's true but even with that like it's still a really close division like uh, I remember like last week Detroit was seventh i think in the division and they were something like four points back of the centers who were second so it's kind of incredible yeah, that's just that's just early start oh i know sure i mean I, I think you can tell a lot more by how the teams are playing from just watching them yeah uh, the shots they give up the chances they give up the power play the penalty kill the everything but i i it's just so tight right now i just and you know what i haven't even looked at i don't like looking at points anymore i look at record i look at how many games above 500 i, I know you don't like to say it but above nhl 500 <laughs> yeah, yeah um that you have to be because you need to be 13 to 14 above 500 to make the playoffs this day and age um and i mean the centers are halfway there right and there's not a lot of teams in the, the atlantic division that are uh you know rather close to that to that number the centers are halfway there the canadians are uh, nearly there already um, but if you can get to that 13th or 14th and then play a bit of 
bit of hockey above 500 i mean you're solid you're, you're ready to go right i mean they have they have 60 games left you'd think they'd have to win maybe 30 more actually not even probably maybe even less because 30 gets them to 44 wins is probably i'd say i'd say just under 30 yeah, yeah maybe 28 29 so that's out of 60 that's that's pretty doable so yeah uh looking pretty good here so let's move on to a pretty interesting tidbit uh from last week from chris johnston uh he came out and said that bobby ryan actually his no move clause is limited so he can actually be exposed in the expansion draft so two questions a do you think he should be exposed and b do you think he will uh, a yeah, I mean one hundred percent. I think if you're if you're Pierre Dorian, you're not really thinking twice about that one. Uh, not because uh, Ryan isn't a guy that can still contribute. Not because um, he his uh, play has dwindled, but because that contract. No one's going to take that contract. I mean, Vegas has come out. Uh, Bill Foley and George McPhee have already come out and said, you know, we're going to do this the right way, and they and they should too. I mean, we talked about this on the show the other day. Um, we did a completely a complete Vegas uh, 100% show, and and it's the right way to do expansion is not to bring on not to bring on players that you can market right away. And one of the things too is Bill Foley is is not very light in the pockets. He is heavy in his pockets. He can take four or five years of losing um, to get Nolan Patrick to get a couple more uh, big prospects. They need to take young guys. They need to just get to that cap floor. They need to make a couple moves in free agency to get to that cap floor, maybe. But there's no way that they'd be taking a guy like like Bobby Ryan or Dion Phaneuf, and that's no slight to them at all. I mean, it's just it's just their contract. This is the opposite of the Roberto Luongo. For them, their contracts don't suck. Their contracts are great because they're going to stay in Ottawa because of them. So, um, do they protect them? No, I don't think I don't think they're going to protect Bobby Ryan. Uh, uh, they, sorry, I don't think they should protect Bobby Ryan. Are they going to? I mean, Ottawa has had in the past, a, a, I wouldn't say issues, but they have the tendency to kind of put over their feelings for a be player. Be too loyal. And, yeah, be yeah, empathetical with, with their situation. Um, so, yeah, maybe they actually do uh, Maybe they actually do protect Ryan because they're scared of that. He's one of the three or four players that are, are most... Uh, marketable on the team so yeah maybe they do I, I'd say it's 60% chance that they do uh, not protect him I think it's it's a better chance that they do not protect him um, but I think it's it's definitely not black and white there it's nef- definitely not not uh, not uh, 100% that they're that they're not going to protect him I think it's definitely an interesting situation because to me it should be a win-win if you leave him exposed right because if you leave him exposed, that means you can protect another guy like Zach Smith or Curtis Lazar. Prob- I actually, I don't know who, who they would in that uh, scenario, depending on how the two of them play uh, the rest of the season here. But yeah, so you get to keep that extra guy. And then if uh, if Ryan does get claimed, okay, great. I mean, then you're out of a contract that has, what, $7 million, or is it 7 and a half? And uh, five seasons left seven, after I think this it's year. 7, 7.25, I believe. 7.25, okay. And then has five and a half seasons left on it. Yeah. And you know what? If he doesn't get claimed, well then, you know, whatever, that's fine too. Then you gotta you still have a top six player in your lineup. And I really don't know what they're actually gonna do though, just because you mentioned like they are too loyal, but at the same time, Melanie. I think that's gonna... changed though. I think that honestly has changed with Pierre Dorian. I mean I don't know, uh... re signing Chris Kelly. Oh, but I mean, <laughs> but you see it as okay. Well, then we can we can talk about a lot of different moves, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, 
I, I completely think that he that Brian Murray was um, a lot worse for uh, being too empathetic with the players. Having Probably, too much yeah. Empathy for for Ottawa-born players, I think Pierre Dorian has 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 definitely shown that um, uh, with a with a, a bunch of different moves this season. Um, I mean. Uh, oh my god, I was going to bring up the Brassard trade, but he is from Ottawa. <laughs> no, I, I had a couple in my mind, but I, I definitely think that... Um... No, it wasn't Tom Pyatt. Oh my god, I'm sorry. I, I'm just completely completely out right now, but I, 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 don't, I don't think he has that same that same empathy that, that Brian I hope so. has. And I think he actually is more determined. To, and he's got You know what? He's got a clean slate, too. He doesn't have this, the same kind of attachment to... I mean, uh, Chris Neal or, or guys like that in, in, in the lineup. It's gonna be it's gonna be definitely um, telling to see if he does sign Chris Neal for another year. If Neal wants to play, it's gonna be telling if he if he does, you know, um, not ask Dion Phaneuf to waive his no trade clause or, or or stuff like that. But I, I I do have a lot more confidence in Dorian that he is actually um, doing a lot of things for the more for the team. Than he is for um, you know the fan base and 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 just the the, the overall feeling of, of you know, keeping veteran veteran players and and being loyal to your your city and and all, and all that um, quote unquote nonsense. But uh, I, I think yeah, I'm, I, like I said, I'm I'm definitely more confident with with Dorian and this new coaching staff and this new own, uh, not ownership, sorry, uh, this new just it's this new front office because I think they're a lot more modern. I mean, look at it like we've heard the word analytics said like 200 times more than last year which was zero um and so yeah i mean i i'm getting ranty and repeated here but i definitely don't think there's there's that much of a problem with with dorian and, and how he feels with the players off the ice uh compared to on the ice and when that expansion draft comes around that's fair enough like i i haven't really had enough time to like totally evaluate dorian just yet um just because he obviously hasn't made a ton of moves yet. It hasn't even been an entire year yet. Um, but I definitely would say that loyalty or like too much lo- loyalty was one of Murray's biggest downfalls. So certainly hope that it's not the case with Dorian. Um, the point I wanted to make though is it'll be interesting to see because you know I still think there is like a bit of loyalty there. Like I I don't know if how much you can quantify that, but at the same time, you know Melnick is always going to do anything he can to save a few bucks so in that sense i think they will uh leave him exposed but also i don't even know if they're going to publish the list of protected players like i think they're just going to show who gets uh taken by vegas right yeah Yeah, so like that's that's exactly what we talked about too because the the one thing you get into is if um i mean if you're a gm you definitely want that list you definitely 100% want that list private because what if it comes out and you and you see like in a guy like Bobby Ryan who yeah, exactly. um who didn't have to be protected wasn't protected and yeah i mean he's still on the team next year because you know Vegas didn't take him but he's coming in with a, you know maybe a bit of a changed attitude and he doesn't feel comfortable and maybe his play dwindles and maybe the locker room presence dwindles because um because a couple of other players were like hey why didn't i get protected or or why did you protect this guy over me? So I mean, if 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 I'm a GM of thirty of them, definitely, definitely. Well, I guess thirty-one now. Well, no, because Vegas didn't really have anyone to protect. <laughs> but thirty GMs in this league want that list private. Um, and if I'm anyone that has anything to do with the team, I want that private, one hundred percent. Oh yeah, 
So I I, think, I want it I want it public because it'll be more fun. Oh exactly. I they <laughs> I want to do like a live draft and stuff, but there's no way they're gonna do that. I mean that would be such a huge event, and like everybody would be tuning in for that. But you just know NHL isn't gonna do it. Um. So I think for next year, I think we're both on the same page. You still think uh, Ryan's gonna be a senator? Oh yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I would like. No, I think I would love to have that contract off the books just so they could open up some money, but I doubt it. Um, unless unless Vegas needs a contract to get to the floor or something like that. Um, okay, so last week the Rangers claimed Matt Pumpeloff waivers and he promptly scored a goal in his first game and then made a semi-controversial statement about not getting an opportunity in Ottawa. I think, I think we agree here, uh, but losing him isn't really that big of a deal, is it? Oh God, no! He had five goals in fifty-four games. I mean, yeah, he scored in uh, Peterborough. He scored in Binghamton, and he did next to nothing uh, when he came up for the Senators. He had three points the first year when he played thirteen games. Three points the second year when he played twenty-six games. Zero points last year in thirteen games. Then he had uh, uh, oh, sorry, zero points in thirteen games with the Senators this season. He has <laughs> one goal with the Rangers. <laughs> Absolutely, um, you couldn't see him at all uh, against the Senators on, on Sunday. So I mean, I don't think this is this is a loss. If anything, it's a gain because there's that there's another contract that's uh, that's up and Melnick saves around what four hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, probably. Yeah, something like that. So no, there's there's no way that this is um, something that the Senators fan base or management or players around him should fret about. Uh, this is only positive, and um, I mean. You want to get into what he said now? Because that was a uh, – I think sure, that's, even, I, that's even more of a positive because if a yeah. guy's not going to buy into the system and that what that's what this is this whole team is revolving around, this is, that's what – like we've said, this whole team is, is going to make the playoffs because of. Um, if you have a guy that you know says, you know, like, I don't like what the coach is yelling at me. I don't like that I have to chip the puck in. I don't like, I have, like how I have to be on the floor check. I don't like how I have to bang bodies and, and get pucks to the net. Then, no, there's no way that you want that guy on your team or, or even in the organization. He's been in the organization for four to five years now. I think, how old is he? He Six, is no, five years. And he is uh, 20, yeah, 23 years old. Yeah, 93. Um, he's had enough time to progress. He did a lot less than Shane Prince, and we saw what happened to Shane Prince. So uh, there's, no, there's no way this is at all a negative. This is completely positive. Yeah, I Pumple is a guy that he, he has a very specific skill set. He basically just has a really good shot. So he's not going to be a good player on the fourth line. He needs to be on the first or second line. And even when he got those opportunities, he just didn't do anything with it. Like, we saw guys like Shane Prince and Mike Hoffman go on the fourth line and still look really impressive. Like, they still, yeah. you know, Prince looked, oh, sorry, he made Chris Neal look really good. Um, Hoffman still was able to create lots of chances. Pumple didn't really do anything. And, like, I think definitely coming into the season, I was, well, actually, no, not even. Just the past few years, I'd been pretty down on Pumple. And I think... You know, it's not a huge deal. Well, he deal. didn't really have anything to show for, right? Like, oh, exactly. Was, I mean, if you're just watching the games, like, what did what do you have to say? Can you even remember any highlights? I remember his one goal against Detroit when Bobby Ryan did all the work for him and yeah. passed out in front of the net. Like, that's a bad and, and the rest is he had that one fight this year, and he's a he's a small, skinny guy that's kind of fast. And I, I mean, I, I don't even think he's got a great shot anymore. Like, what we he hasn't showcased that at all. So no. no, there's 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 no way that I'm that I'm that anyone should be losing any any sleep over this one. No, the the only thing the only reason it's a, a bit upsetting is is pretty much because he was a first former first round pick. Yeah, and, the and now 
Yeah, and that 2011 draft was supposed to be, you know, this franchise changer. And now all three of those first-round picks are out of the organization. Um, obviously, Zabanajad turned out well, but he's no longer with us. Pajot is, you know, good third-line center. Dezingle is looking really good, probably like a second- or third-line guy. Um, but Yeah, you know, but those are so, But then you look at, like, guys like Stone, Dezingle, and a couple other guys that they got in, like, the seventh round. Like, Yeah, it, that's, that's their MO. It kind of has evened them out, right? Yep. Um, and it, it does suck that the three round three first round picks in 2011 and then you have um, you have a couple that also haven't haven't phased out I mean Cody Cece is is still an NHL defenseman but he's not proven yet that he's a second pairing defenseman yet still have faith that in the next you know few years he can actually grow into that but it's I think it still has evened out because you've found a few gems and you even found like what if Francis Perron turns into an NHL player right yeah exactly that's he's another drafted, seventh yeah, rounder in the seventh round and you've got guys also like like I know this is they, Dallin was drafted in the second round and and uh, but Lajoie was drafted in I believe the fourth round like you've got guys the centers do well in the depth of the draft and um, yeah it's kind of it's kind of hard that you know they don't they don't knock them out of the park when they're teed up for them uh, we'll see what happens with Shabbat and Brown and um, and white in the next few years. I think those are three actual blue chip prospects that I don't think we've ever been. We haven't been as high as for a first rounder um, in the last four or five or six years for the center. So those I'm really really high on those three guys. But I mean, in the next four or five years, this this core is going to change a lot. You're going to have hopefully if Dallin proves to be an NHL player and. Um, I mean, with that speed and skill that we've seen this year, when he's playing in uh, what's his team in 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 Sweden? Neil Svenskin. I, I don't know what. Yeah, the team yeah, yeah, is. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's in Finland or. It's Sweden. in Sweden. Dolan? It's in Sweden. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he looks absolutely outstanding. You've got, but you've got guys of all calibers. You've got, uh, in all all trades, right? Like like Brown is a huge power forward that, um, uh, that is tearing it up, and Schlappik is in the QMJHL breaking records, and it's just I I don't see. I mean, the AHL team is absolutely decimated. I don't think they have a lot of depth there. But the guys that are coming up that are going to be in the AHL next year or the next year after that or on the team next year, like Colin White might play this year, I think there's there's no way you should be down about this organization's prospects right now. Yeah, no. How they, did we get to that? Did I, how far off did I get? I, we I don't know, but it was very entertaining to listen. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I agree. Like, I think they've had a few first-round busts. Um, you know, like even even you look at guys like CC and Lazar, they are NHL, like they're in the NHL right yeah, now. Sure. But you know, you, you certainly hope that they can be a bit more successful than that. But at the same time, they have really hit on some some late gems, Hoffman, Stone, um, even just like role players like Zach Smith, uh, Pajot, you know, Perron. They can go on and on and on. So I think they're drafting. It's like I gu- I guess it's good. I don't even know. It, it's sort of just like it's good and bad at the same time. <laughs> So um, let's go on to a guy that you talked about before, um, Mark Stone. Though he's probably the second favorite player on the Senators that I, uh, I love to watch behind Eric Carlson. So to begin the year, he only had one goal and four assists in twelve games, and he just didn't really look right. I think the lingering effects from the concussion were still there, but since then he's had five goals and three assists in nine games, and he's looking like the Stone that we we know and love um so don't you think or do you think that this is who he is or do you think he's sort of like a streaky player that is going to be hot and cold no mark stone's not a streaky player in fact i don't think he actually had a bad start to the season i think he was 
a bit snake bitten and maybe he wasn't doing what he could be doing in an offensive end, but his overall play was fine. I thought I thought he was just a bit injured. I think he had something that was uh, something that was messing with his body. Maybe it was that concussion from last year, but I think there was there was probably some 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 other part of his not not his head, but something that was lagging with maybe it was a leg injury or something I suffered in preseason. Um, but uh, I mean, last season, when, remember when he went through that like fifteen or sixteen game streak where people were saying, "Oh, Mark Stone, he's a streaky player. He doesn't, you know, he's not. He's playing horribly right now." And it's just like, you know what? He's just not getting the breaks. Like, there's not a single player. Oh yeah, on the team that works harder than that guy or that creates more in the game and takes away more in the game than Mark Stone. And sometimes, like I've said so many times, this guy is an eighty point player if he gets the, if he gets the average amount of breaks that an NHL player does. I think he gets I so, think so yeah. I, I think there's there's no way that um I, I like it's it's hard to remember bad games from Mark Stone. I think he had one last season. I think he had a, maybe a couple last season. Maybe maybe he's had a couple this season. But uh, no, he's the most consistent player on this team and that's uh, that's putting him ahead of Eric Carlson, I believe. Um, obviously they're completely different players and Eric Carlson is the best player on the team, but um, Mark Stone is the most consistent player on this team, night in and night out. He brings it, and I, I, I just, I don't see the criticism at all because I think there was something bothering him at the start of the season. But he's been, uh, he's been outstanding, and there's, there, I, I can't say a negative word about him right now. Oh yeah, I definitely agree. He's, he's just such an amazing player to watch because even if he isn't an eighty-point guy, even if he's a sixty-five-point guy, which I think he probably is, somewhere in the, in the sixties. He just brings so much more to the table all around the ice, defensively, offensively. And he has he has the numbers to back things up, but even just the eye test is just amazing to watch him. Like he'll just go into the corner, lift a guy's stick in an instant, and then have the puck. And it's like how how did he get the puck so quickly? It's just just amazing. Or like he's, little he's little most, things. Little yeah. things just like in the offensive zone, some guy will try to make a saucer pass, he'll just knock it down and, and pick it up. Like you don't really see many guys doing that, and it's you, you can't quantify that. I guess you can quantify giveaway, uh, takeaways, sorry, which he always leads the league in. Um, but he just does so many things well, and he's he's going to be producing points. I I think he'll probably end up with sixty plus, like he did two years ago. So yeah, like I I didn't agree with my question. Obviously that he's streaky. I don't think he is. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it looks like he's totally healthy now. So. That's definitely good because the Senators, if they're going to be good, if they want to be good, they need Mark Stone to be that first line player. He uh, and the most gifable guy on the team. Oh yeah, his his face is just after. Well, just after overall, he like, that that definitely Amazing. goes into it. But there's just so many little things that you go like I I turn I turn to 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 guys in the press box every single night and go, oh my god, did you see that? Like that 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 play that he made that was not even close to the puck. Like he just does yeah. little things that just amaze you every single game. Yeah, and it's. It's funny because, you know, coming out of the draft or, or even in his rookie season, the only thing that people talked about um, as a detriment to his game would is his skating. And I could you honestly say that he's a bad skater? I don't even think he is. Like, sometimes he looks fast. No, I went, I went on the record to say that I think he's actually one of the better skaters on this team. I think you go, yeah. I think you go like, Dezingle, Hoffman, Hoffman. Turris, and, like, maybe maybe another guy but then there's Mark Stone right there and I think yeah. he, he has that burst of speed and he also has he's also he's one of the more harder workers off the ice I believe and his training regimen and, and and he just obviously giving it giving it his all every single shift but he also has a, a really good endurance 
Um, and that definitely attributes to to his speed and to his ability to just stay with the plate. He hunts it down like like a lion on a gazelle. So I mean, yeah, there's no way. I, I whenever someone says whenever they bring up on the broadcast, because I mean, it, yeah, it is hard for the TSN guys and the Sportsnet guys to watch 82 games of a single team, right? Every single season, they have to just. They're a lot more cliche with 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 their opinions. But every time it's brought up that you know, like you know, Mark Stone is a really skilled guy. He he's he's hard on the puck. He's got a good shot. He's a playmaker. Um, he still needs to work on his, his skating, and I just lose him. There's no way. No, <laughs> no, there's no totally way Mark wrong. still needs to work on his skating. If anything, he is one of the better skaters on the team right now. The funny thing is, uh, Stone, I can't even define him. If you want to say, you know, like <laughs> NHL ratings, like playmaker, sniper, he's everything. Yeah. He is a playmaker. He is a sniper. He is a power forward. He is a grinder. He is all these things. So that's what makes him so amazing. And. You know, he's just awesome. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet this out tonight, and I'm sure you're gonna have this this podcast out um, in the morning uh, t- tomorrow. I'm guessing, yeah. right? So yeah. this will this will beat it. And I and I, if you take my tweet, I'll I'll uh, I'll never come on your show again. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know what? Early on in the season, he had I think it was like through through twelve or thirteen games, he had like like six or seven takeaways or something like that. But I just checked right now. And it goes Andre Palat and Dylan Larkin at 25, and Mark Stone at 24. So he's already he's already back up where he is, and he's going to lead the league in takeaways once again. It's not even gonna be close. Like I know it's he's oh, yeah. not in, he's not in, he like last year this time he had a, a crazy lead already. I think he had like like 40 by this time of the year, and like Tavares <laughs> had like 16 or something. But there's no way he's I I would bet my house, and I don't even have a house, but uh, but I would bet my house that Mark Stone. Um, Leads the league in takeaways again and turnover plus minus whatever you whatever have you. Oh, I, I bet so. I uh, got some. We got some hard hard hitting analysis there on saying Mark Stone is amazing. You know, pretty obvious. But anyway, so here's a topic that's looking pretty far forward ahead. Um, I'm sort of in an optimistic mood with the team right now after winning four games in a row. So let's pretend that coming into the trade deadline, Ottawa's still in the second or third seed in seed in the division. They're gonna um, lose against Buffalo tonight, by the way. Because you said that. Damn it. Actually, yeah, yeah. People listening to this, they could be on a one-game losing streak, so I don't know. Or a five-game winning streak. But, okay, so if they are there, if they're second or third in the division, what do you think they need to target in order to improve uh, going into the playoffs? What do I think they need to target? Well, I, I don't think they will. Um, I don't think they will. I don't think Dorian is going to um, make any moves. And that's not... That's not saying that he, he, he really definitely should be or if it's a, a slight if he doesn't. Um, but I think they need a defenseman and they need a forward. They need a, uh, if they want to be a legitimate, not necessarily contender, but to make a decent... Um, uh, make it close. Yeah, well, sorry, was your question to, uh, if for them to make the playoffs or to do well? No, like I'm saying if they're, if they're a second or third seed going into yeah. the trade deadline, oh, what okay. do you think they should add or, you know, will oh, add? Okay. Yeah, no, I think it's so. It's on that. So I was, um, I was correct in in um, you know listening to your question. That I think <laughs> they do need a defenseman. And they need a forward. And if if they're gonna if they're gonna win a couple playoff series, they need a top end defenseman. They need a Jacob Trouba or, or something along that that lines. And I think they need um, a depth forward because that fourth line of Chris Neal and uh, Chris Kelly and Max McCormick or whoever whatever have you um, is will get absolutely uh, pummeled in the playoffs yep. and I mean that you need you need you need and we, we like let's be honest like who won the Stanley Cup last year Pittsburgh Penguins why did they win the Stanley Cup well they had great goaltending 
Crosby was good, and they had an outstanding bottom six. They basically, you could say that they probably won that Stanley Cup and got through four playoff series because of their bottom six, because they had Phil Kessel playing on that bottom six. And that does go to their depth of, you know, all around their forwards, their first, second, third, and fourth line. But you need a solid, solid, solid third line and fourth line um, to even out and, and play well in the playoffs. But the other thing, too, is I mean, watching Clark MacArthur every single practice and um, and seeing how comfortable he already is, and I, I don't, I mean, we haven't been able to talk to him about that. Um, we don't know if he's been cleared by a doctor at all. We don't know what their plans are. But if they get him back, if he's healthy and if he's playing NHL minutes, and if he is back to his regular self, that is basically like acquiring a top six forward. So, if they get him back, I'm saying that they need a defenseman, and that's about it. Pretty much. I. The only thing is, I wouldn't rely on um, on MacArthur coming back. Like, if he does, if he is playing by January, February, then I think that's best-case scenario. That That's perfect. Um, and yeah, definitely, yeah. I think yeah. this is being made soon, too. I think it's going to be mid-December that they start to look, that he, that he goes really? to and Yeah, I mean, look, like, he's been he's been to, I mean, he had that quote where he, he said he got his, like, what, T4 or T5, something like that, a, a lumbar jammed back into his, his back, and he feels a bit better there. Okay. I think it's only, it's I think it's just up to his head right now. It's not up to his... Uh, I think he's comfortable. I think it's just he maybe the headaches and you know playing and he needs to take a bit of contact. But I think we're 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 getting very close. Maybe within a, within two or three weeks or three or four weeks to that uh, that decision making time. And I I wonder what's going to happen with his contract if if he can't play. There's a lot of different things, but um, but definitely it, it's going to be it's going to be. I mean, if they get him back, if they get him back, that's huge. That's I mean, absolutely huge. Yeah, because that's, you're not I mean, you're not paying anything. You're not giving any, anything away for a top. And six you can forward. you can push Smith to the fourth line on that left wing just because. Yeah. Their the wingers, their wingers are pretty thin, especially on the right side. Like if you're playing Tom Pyatt on the second and third line, it's just it's just not good. So in an ideal world, you can get that third line right winger, and then if you have a third line of say either Dzingel and MacArthur with Pajot and this new right winger i mean that's all of a sudden you know pretty decent third line yeah but, but then at the same time they also need a defenseman i think yeah i wonder who they would actually like i if we're making bets on what dorian would do at the trade deadline if they were second or third i would bet that he would go after a depth forward or i, I don't think they would go i think they they like their defense core yeah to, i would bet a forward i think they'd go after a depth forward because i think while they might be a tad stubborn about how, you know, that Weidman and, you know, Weidman and Boro are playing well. We said that a bunch of times, but uh, I think they don't want to upgrade that position. They're fine with that. I think they would be fine with um, um, adding a forward. And I think that that would push Chris Kelly and Chris Neal out to be healthy scratches um, nearing the playoffs and in the playoffs. And I think they're okay with that. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting with this team, too, is that, like, my thoughts on this team are just constantly changing because. Like literally last week, if you talked about talked to me about this team making the playoffs, I'd be pretty down. And like four wins can change everything. And I'm I'm still not. I haven't decided if this team is going to be good. I I I think if you ask me right now, I think they make the playoffs. But you know I've gone back and forth um, with that answer a few times since September. So you know a few games here and there can change everything. But hopefully they're uh, you know they can keep this up. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the one of the, the things that is going to help them out a lot is the fact that, and I, I think Tampa will pass them in the standings 
pretty soon. I think they're going to get their game together, and uh, I don't think Stamkos is is that much of a um, a loss for them with all the great players that they have. So I think Tampa will pass them, but it's teams like Boston, Florida, and Detroit who everyone had above the Senators on their depth chart that do not look like better teams this year. Florida does not look like the team they were last season when people actually thought they were going to take a step forward. And we'll see what a new coach does for them. I mean, we always, uh, for any team, like with Pittsburgh last season with, uh, uh, with what's his name, Mike Johnson, is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, players tend to play a lot better when they have when they're basically doing auditions, right? That's what you're doing with a new coach. So we'll see what happens in Florida, but Boston's blue line is just a tire fire. And oh, yeah. you take chair out of that, they're just completely <laughs> lost, like we saw in, in even Ottawa. with Char, it's not that great. Yeah, um, but I mean, but when you take him out, though, it's just like they're they're more they're even more lost without their leader and without a def- an, an NHL defenseman, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that's that's the best thing that can happen with uh, for the centers right now. Buffalo's out of the mix. Toronto will not be close to making the playoffs. Um, uh, Detroit is even further back right now, and I know it's early on in the season, but these teams are not and it, they're not playoff caliber teams right now. So that's the best case scenario. The Ottawa Senators had um, six to eight weeks to work things out, and while they were working things out, they squeaked by a lot of wins. Oh, excuse me, that's the first <laughs> voice crack all podcasts. Um, so they, they squeaked out a lot of wins. So this is, I mean, this is all coming up roses, and if they can keep moving forward with the system, keep moving forward with the strategy, keep moving forward with how Boucher wants this team and, and being more creative in the offensive end and their, their defense need to keep playing like they were, then they're going to be completely fine because not only are they going to be developed into a good team, but the other teams are falling far further back behind. Yeah, definitely things are looking good uh, right now for the Senators and it's it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility that they finish third uh, in the division and I, I certainly think a wild card spot um if if they don't get in the top three i think they will get a wild card spot so we are running a, a bit long here uh one more yeah, thing before i let you... like an hour and 20 minutes <laughs> no no because we talked before that so, oh right yeah okay. it's been just over an hour so anyway um i know you said they would make the playoffs earlier in the podcast so if they do what seed will they be uh seventh yeah so wild card yeah yeah, and they'll be playing. Uh, they Montreal? will be playing the Montreal Canadiens. Oh boy, I can't I wait. Think, I think New York's gonna pass them. I think there's like they can't. Really, I mean, we've said this time and time again that they can't keep, um, you know, just being on the back of Carey Price. They can, but it's. I don't think they're gonna take first seed. I think they'll take second, and the Senators Senators will take seventh. And uh, you'll hear my prediction for <laughs> the series at when we get there. <laughs> All right. Well, can't wait. All right, that should do it. Uh, before I sign off, tell the listeners uh, where you can be found online and what you'll be doing for the rest of the season. Oh, a lot. We're hopefully be doing a lot of it uh, at the end of the season. I'm, I'm, I've been writing a lot for uh, for Silver Seven, and you know, getting a bit more access, which is a lot, uh, really nice and really yeah, that's awesome that from the team. Um, so you can find me on Silver Seven. Silver Seven. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Callum Fraser eighteen. Uh, do the Battle of Ontario podcast, work for TSN, and uh, yeah, I think that's about it. All right. I won't give, I won't give out my phone number. <laughs> Don't have to. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Well, uh, thanks again for coming on the show. It's always fun. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. Thanks for having me. All right. So just as I finish it up here, reminding the listeners that the Cost Per Pointcast is available not only on SoundCloud, but iTunes and Stitcher, and links will be posted on Silver 7 Sends as well. 
You can follow me on Twitter at ShaqTS. And if you like the podcast, please get it, give it a nice little review on iTunes as it'll help, the, help grow the podcast even more. If you have any suggestions for your future guests, let me know. I have a few in mind, but I'd love to hear what people, people think as well. Bob McKenzie. Bob McKenzie sounds like a good one. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Adios. Adios.